0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the, the most exciting aspect of a new heaven and new earth should simply be the fact that you will be with Jesus. Period. That's it. Like, you're not going to go to heaven and be disappointed because like, well, what happened to America? Who cares? Who cares? Oh, well, I'm not an American anymore. No, you're not an American anymore. You're a Christian. That's who you are. That's your citizenship. That's where you belong. You're gonna be stoked about that, being in the presence of Jesus. That's what we look m- forward to the most about heaven, is being with Jesus.
0: Have you ever thought about heaven? Well, in today's message, Pastor James will remind you that the Bible tells us there will be a new heaven and a new earth. With that biblical statement comes a lot of questions, right? When does this happen? What am I then if the world isn't the same? In all reality, the only thing that matters is that you'll be with your Savior for the rest of eternity. There will be no more pain and no more sadness, no more evil or chaos, and a perfect eternity with Christ Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Galatians, Chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We
2: need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken.
1: Your relationship with the Lord is going really well. When you wake up each and every morning and you say, you know what, Lord, the one thing I need more than anything else today is your grace and your mercy in my life today. I need you today. I need you to make it today. That's what I need. A life that is totally and fully surrendered over to Him. Completely just like, Lord, I'm gonna take your grace. I'm gonna get into your word because I wanna hear from you because I love reading your word. Because, I, man, I need this every day. I want your word. I want to pray because I, I want that relationship. I want to communicate with you. I want to hear from you. We're not checking off boxes. We're not checking off boxes. These guys came, along, came in after Paul and, and started um, convincing these individuals that, well, no, you need to start checking off boxes. Because if you're not doing these things, if you're not getting circumcised, Gentiles, Gentiles, if you don't get circumcised, then God's not pleased with you. That was one of the one of the the lies that was thrown out there. But they were buying it. They were buying it. It this message pretended to be the good news, but it was not the good news. There's this uh, story of this little boy who was selling newspapers. Um, it seems like a bygone era, right? But uh, he was selling newspapers, and he he went up to this one house, and he. He was uh, telling this gentleman, hey, you know, you should subscribe to my newspaper. And the guy's like, well, why, why should I subscribe to your newspaper? Why should I give you money on a continual basis for for this newspaper? And, and this kid had a, a brilliant sales pitch. He says, well, because this newspaper only, only uh, shares the good news, right? And so I think the guy ended up getting the subscription. But I mean, what a great selling point. Only the good news. I mean, my goodness, if today, if that's all we had, imagine how amazing it would be if you just turned on any news broadcast channel and it was just nothing but good news. Oh, that would be such a relief. I can tell you the stress levels in our society would probably drop significantly. Why? Well, good news doesn't sell, unfortunately. Only the good news. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul had. That's what you have with Jesus. It's good news. It's the gospel. That's what that means. They had it. They had the good news, but they decided to go this other route. Here's Paul's, uh, here's Paul's message to these false teachers. Verse 8, it says, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message than the one we told you about. So if there's somebody out there preaching some other gospel, there is no other gospel. But if they're preaching some other gospel, Paul says, let them be anathema. Let them be cursed. May they be cursed, right? A Christian curse. How crazy is that? It's a real thing. It's a real deal. And Paul's saying, look, if somebody comes in and they're preaching a false gospel, then may they be cursed by God. That's pretty severe. But that's how serious Paul takes this, the gospel message. That's how serious we should all take the gospel message. Not that you need to go around cursing people, okay? That's, that's not the practical application of this point, right? You don't go around saying, oh, you don't believe in the gospel, you're preaching false. Cursed, you're cursed by God. No, they don't need that, right? We don't need to be doing that. Um, what we need to be doing is being alert to what is being communicated, and who is receiving those messages? Because you may, have, you may know people who are believers, and maybe they're listening to individuals they shouldn't listen to. Maybe they're listening to people who are saying, yeah, we like Jesus, however, Jesus is not enough. Well, you ought to come to their defense, the people who are receiving the message, so to speak, come alongside them and say, no, no, hold on. Let's not forget, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was more than enough. Was more than enough. So, Christ is enough. His death on the cross is enough. So, if you catch wind of some false teaching that's out there, and let me give you the heads up, there are a lot of false teachings that are out there, and you know somebody who's maybe caught up in something like that, well, come alongside them gently and remind them of what the gospel truly is, what it is. But Paul's like, let him be cursed. All these false teachers. He says, even if I were to proclaim another gospel, may I be cursed as well. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches another message, let him be forever cursed. Well, there's a nice little hot topic for our modern history, right? Because we have some individuals who say an angel came down from heaven and delivered what? Another gospel. Well, there is no other gospel, and that this other gospel was, is connected to works. No, no, no. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. But even if an angel comes down from heaven, let him be forever cursed. Verse 9, I will say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel other than the one you welcomed, and he's reminding them, you welcomed this message. You received this message. Let God's curse fall upon that person. Verse 10, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. Of course, right? You read that and you're like, duh. There's no way Paul's trying to be a people pleaser by making these statements. You don't go around saying, look, if there's a teacher who's preaching a false gospel, may God's curse fall upon that person. You're not concerned about what people think about you when you're making statements like that. Paul was not a people pleaser. In fact, these false teachers... Were the people pleasers. They were the ones guilty of trying to please everyone. He says, No, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to be, if I was still trying to please people, I wouldn't be Christ's servant. Because it's hard to serve Christ and try to please everybody because we all know how this works. You can't please everyone. And certainly if you're trying to serve the Lord, you're not going to please everyone. This is a lesson that, I mean, being in the ministry for I don't know how long now, but being a, a, a pastor, a lead pastor here at Calvary Galveston, the one thing that I learned is that you cannot please everyone. You cannot please, and people are very quick to let you know that you have let them down in some form or fashion, okay? So that's, that's how church works, right? But we're not in it for that. None of us are in it for that. I hope if you serve here at Calvary Galveston or if you serve at some other church, you're not in it for the praise of men. You're in it for the praise of God, that He receives the praise, and if, you, if any pat on the back that you receive may be from God himself, okay? We're not doing this for other people. We're not doing this so that we receive the praise of, of men. We're not concerned about that. The only thing as a servant of the Lord we should be concerned with is hearing God say at the end of it all, well done, good job, good and faithful servant. He goes on verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I solemnly assure you that the good news of salvation, which I preach, is not based on uh, mere human reasoning or logic. In fact, some would even say that the gospel message is is somewhat illogical. It doesn't make sense, right? God would take on human form, live a sinless life, die on a cross, and then raise from the grave three days later. Paul would even say that to the, to the church uh, at Corinth multiple times. He would let them know, like, listen, following Jesus, you're going to be perceived as a foolish person by the world. He, we even said our Easter message from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, look, if, this, if none of this stuff even happened, then we're, we're the biggest dummies in the whole planet. Like, we're fools, but it has happened. Does it make total logical sense? Well, maybe not completely. How do you explain this? Well, I've, there's some elements to a relationship with God that you just can't explain. And I think we should be okay with that. Because again, if you can understand everything by an almighty God, then your God's too small and you, you picked the wrong one. If your small human brain can understand every aspect of an almighty, everlasting, all-knowing, all-powerful God, well, then you picked the wrong one. Our brains can't, can't fully understand, can't fully grasp in totality all things that are even connected to him. But it's not, from, it's not from this gospel message. It's not from human reasoning. It's not from logic. He says, my message came from a direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. I, he's like, I got it from Jesus. I got it from the guy, from the man, the source. He says, no one else taught me. Verse 13, you know what, it, what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted the Christians. I did my best to get rid of them. I was one of the most religious Jews of my own age, and I tried as hard as, po- as possible to follow the old traditions of my religion. This is Paul basically giving like a, a, a little a glimpse of his testimony, which as we've been going through the book of Acts. We saw, I mean, this had just taken place for us, we saw this all transpire, that he was a man on a mission. He was going city by city, house by house, arresting Christians. That's his goal, that was his objective. And he was climbing the ladder, so to speak, within, within the religious ranks. There was nobody, nobody more impressive than Saul of Tarsus, nobody. He was aggressive. He was going after it, and he was going after Christians. Um, He's like, look, you guys know my story. You know my story. Verse 15, he says, but then something happened. For it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. God had all this orchestrated. God was not surprised that the Apostle Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? He's not surprised by anything. I hope you understand that the God that we serve is not surprised by anything. He's not even surprised by coronavirus. He saw it coming. Well, why did he let it happen? We don't know. I don't know yet. Well, I don't know. But I can tell you this, there are thousands of people getting saved right now by watching online church services that would have maybe never stepped foot inside of a church, but they're getting to hear the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. There is somewhat of a technological revival that is happening in our world right now. Maybe that's part of why he allowed it. I have no idea. Time will tell, I guess. But that doesn't even matter. We don't need the answers all the time. What we, what we need to be reminded of is what I prayed at the beginning. God is in control. He's not surprised by anything. And if you just trust him, just trust him, he can see us through any storm, through any storm. Paul said, look, he had this planned out. I mean, he, he'd seen it all even before I was born. He says, what undeserved mercy. Then he revealed his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Those are non-Jewish people, in case you don't know a Gentile is a non-Jewish person. When all this happened to me, I did not rush out to consult with anyone else, nor did I go to Jerusalem to consult with those uh who were apostles before I was, right? So he's like, I didn't I didn't rush out to find anybody. I didn't go to Jerusalem to find Peter, James and John and all those guys. He said, I didn't do any of that stuff. He says, no, I went into Arabia and later returned to the city of Damascus. It was not until three years later, three years, three years later that I finally went to Jerusalem for a visit with Peter. He says, I stayed there with him for 15 days. And the only other apostle that I, that met me at that time was James, okay, the brother of Jesus, our Lord's brother. He says, you must believe what I am saying, for I declare before God that I am not lying, right? He, Paul is being accused of lying, okay? And so he's, he's letting these guys know. He's like, look, here's my testimony. This is my background. Why in the world would I lie about this stuff? I hated the church. I hated Christians. Why would I be lying about this? Why in the world? It doesn't, see... Their argument lacks all sorts of logic. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I was the biggest persecutor of this thing. And then I met Jesus and he changed my life. And then I I gave my life to him. I followed him. He's the one who put me on this mission. He's the one who commissioned me. He's the one who said, go to the Gentiles. And I've been obedient to do this thing. I'm not lying to you. And this gospel that I'm telling you about, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose from the grave three days later, all you got to do, you receive that free gift of salvation. That's it. It's not Jesus plus this. It's just Jesus. That's it. He says, I'm not lying to you. I'm not setting you up for, for an epic failure where you get to the end of your life and you stand before the Lord and he says, hey, you know what? I'm glad that you like Jesus. I'm really glad that you love Jesus. However because you didn't get circumcised, you're out. Or because you didn't get baptized, you're out. Or you didn't do this or you didn't do that, you're out. Paul wasn't setting him up for failure. He was setting him up for success. To stand before the Lord solely based on Christ's righteousness. So when God sees him, sees these individuals, he sees them covered in his son's blood. They don't need the extra stuff. They don't need the extra stuff. You don't need the extra stuff. I don't need the extra stuff. Do you want to practice the extra stuff? Well, knock yourself out, but your relationship with Jesus is not dependent upon those things. Follow Jesus. That's it. Follow him. Why? Because because you love him. Because you want to grow in your relationship with him. You want to get to know him more. That's your motivation. You're going to spend forever with him. Let's not forget this. Heaven, new heaven, new earth, that's eternity. That's forever. And that's with Jesus. The most exciting aspect of ha- a new heaven and new earth should simply be the fact that you will be with Jesus. Period. That's it. Like, you're not going to go to heaven and be disappointed because, like, well, what happened to America? Who cares? Who cares? Oh, well, I'm not an American anymore. No, you're not an American anymore. You're a Christian. That's who you are. That's your citizenship. That's where you belong. You're gonna be stoked about that, being in the presence of Jesus. That's what we look forward to the most about heaven is being with Jesus. Now there's a ton of bonuses that go with being in a new heaven and a new earth, new bodies. We don't even understand what all that means. Uh, what does a new earth even look like? I have no idea. I mean, there's some, there's some glimpses and ideas and all that stuff. It's going to be awesome. That's all I know. It's going to be pretty awesome. But the coolest part about it all is Jesus. Is Jesus. And the only thing that can guarantee you getting there is Jesus. It's receiving that free gift of his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. That's, that's it. He goes on to say, as he's saying, I, he's like, "I'm not, I'm not lying." Verse twenty-one. Then after the visit, I went north to the province of Syria and Cilicia, and still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were. All they knew was what uh, was what people were saying. Basically, the one who used to persecute us now preaches the very faith. He tried to destroy. That's what they were saying about Paul. The guy who was trying to destroy the faith is now the one proclaiming the faith. Something has happened. Verse 24, and they gave glory to God because of me. And that's the kicker. And Paul says, look, I'm not doing this to please people. I'm not looking for the praise of men. He's like, I'm doing this to please God. And I'm doing this for the praise of God. So that whatever people see in me, that they just say, man, look what God did through him. That's your goal. That's my goal. For whoever is surrounded, you know, whoever is surrounding you, whoever's within your sphere of influence, so to speak, that, that, that they would walk away saying, man, look what God did to them. Look, what, I know that person before. They're not the same person they are. They're different. They're totally different. That's what we want. That's what we want, not so that we can brag about it because there's nothing to brag about except for, except for Jesus and what he did within our lives. So Paul, is, he's combating these false teachers. He's letting these guys know, these dear brothers and sisters who, man, we're so quick to like say, you know what? We appreciate the grace, the grace of God, but we need something else. And I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you right now, you don't need anything more than the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for you. It'll get you through the storms of life. It'll get you through the high points of life. It'll get you through the the doldrums, the, the day in and day out, the mundane moments of life. His grace is sufficient for you. When your world is falling apart, His grace is all you need. When things couldn't be better, you're in desperate need of His grace. Each and every one of us what we need is the grace of God. You don't need Jesus plus anything else. You want to get baptized? Let, hey, we'll baptize you. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. You want to, baptism is just an outward showing of like, I'm a follower of Jesus. The old me symbolically is staying down, is buried. The new me is raised to new life. You can do that. But not everybody who's gone to heaven has been baptized. We know that factually. The thief on the cross next to Jesus was never baptized. And Jesus told him, he's like, hey, look, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, well hold on. I think he's supposed to get baptized first. Throw a bucket of water on him. or No, Jesus never said anything. He said, no, today, when you die, you're going to be with me forever. Should you get baptized? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great witness. Should we do all this other stuff? Well, it's debatable. Here's what you should do more than anything else. Focus more on Jesus. Focus more on Him. Spend time in the Word because you want to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Spend time praying to Jesus. You don't even need, you don't need me. You don't need me. You don't need a Pope. You don't need Pastor James. You don't need anybody like that. You can talk directly to God on your own. Even the Pope himself said it, right? We saw that. Coronavirus breaks out. The Pope's like, hey, you know what? How about you just go to God on your own? Uh, Yeah, that's been the point the whole time, right? You don't need anybody. You don't need an intercessor. You have one. His name is Jesus. So your prayer life, pray to God because you want to talk to him, because you want to talk to him. And guess what? He wants to hear from you. That's what's amazing about him. He welcomes your conversation. He welcomes your prayer requests. He welcomes your worries and your anxieties and your stresses. He actually tells us, please give me everything that's troubling you. Are you weighed down? Give it to me. I'll take it. What a tremendous God. So spend time in the word because you want to to grow in your relationship with him. Spend time praying because you want to talk to him because you want that relationship to grow and to be strengthened. And because you have a God who just loves you tremendously and he cares about you. His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. Stay focused on Jesus. Keep running the race. And like I said last week, and just as Paul would say to the church of Galatia, it's it's always too soon to quit. It is always too soon to give up on God. It is always too soon. So keep fighting. Keep trusting in Him. Keep running the race. And don't, listen, somebody comes into your life, smooth talker, whatever, and they're saying, hey, yeah, Jesus is awesome. However, anytime that however or the but comes out, you're like, no, 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 no. I don't, I ain't got time for that. It's just Jesus. Jesus is enough.
2: The hopeless, hopeless, bread for the broken, broken.
0: Yeah. That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has more to share from this study in the book of Galatians, so be sure to join him next time. Just because our time with you is over for today, though, it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage you to pick up your own Bible and dive in wherever God leads you. Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the Ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated and you can donate securely through our website breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me paint the picture of you men, who I love and give